Welcome to another MarTech Zone interviews on today's show. I have Puyan Salahi. He is the co-founder and CEO of Scratchpad. And we're going to be talking about sales-driven technology and the trends that are happening right now in the B2B space. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Welcome back to today's MarTech Zone interviews. Uh, I have on the line with me today, Puyan. Puyan, how are you, sir? I am great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. And, and uh, I was telling Puyan before the show that I'm actually a huge fan of his company. And uh, and I don't even know if you knew that. <laughs> but but uh, I had checked out Scratchpad and seen a demo of it and everything else. And absolutely fantastic technology so maybe maybe just in a in a snippet tell everybody what scratchpad is about yeah thanks so much and i, I didn't know that go, going into this so I, I really appreciate you you sharing that feedback um really quickly i mean i'll trivialize it but scratchpad is is about removing clicks just making the work of a sales rep faster and the way we do that is what we call we've created the first workspace for a sales rep so instead of having a you know, use a random note-taking app and then spreadsheets and task managers and then only to do your work there and then later update Salesforce. We built all of that from the ground up, designed for a salesperson. So the place that you do your work is also getting the work back to Salesforce. I think that's perfect. And, and for people that aren't familiar with Salesforce, uh, the way I always tell it to people is Salesforce is this incredible platform. It's uh, But it's it's like buying a mansion and they deliver wood to your front doorstep. Um, and so you can build the mansion, uh, but sometimes that's a really complex thing to do. And so the framework enables you to accomplish anything, uh, but it takes a lot of effort to get there. And so tools, especially uh, integrations and tools like Scratchpad, where uh, yours is a user-centric design rather than a system platform you know, framework, uh, really marries up the two perfectly. No, that's a, that's a great way of describing it. And what what I think happens a lot is Salesforce gets a bad rap. But I just think it's misunderstood because it actually is a pretty incredible platform. Yes. Um, when you look at it through the lens of it being the database, the system of record, the you know operating system for the business, and what we saw is that it's great at that, but it's not the place where people are getting their work done, and so they rely on other services only to block time off on the calendar to go back and update it. And there's a lot of integrations. Actually, Salesforce's ecosystem is massive to connect to the database layer and build those integrations. We're one of the few, and I think this is a trend that'll pick up though, is uh, building for the end user, that interface level that then interacts with that system of record, the database. And uh, it's, it's having a big impact on how people work. Yeah. Uh, and, and no sales rep loves to uh, enter 13 clicks and drop downs and everything else just simply to enter that they made a phone call, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, we've seen some crazy, crazy stuff and we could, I, we could spend an entire episode just on that and the challenges we've seen, but it's, it was shocking to us that so many people just accepted that as a state of the world. That, that, you know, that's just the pain you have to go through to, uh, to be in sales. Now, I'm not really into fashion all that much, 
Um, my wife reminds me of that all the time, but I, I would say, you know, that, that, that saying that with fashion comes pain and it's, it's it just kind of sucked that with sales, that same mentality was there. It's like, yeah, it just sucks. You have to block three hours off on your calendar to update your, your CRM. And we just approach it with, well, why, like, why, why does that have to happen? And, um, and I think it, it was exciting for us that we were able to do something about it. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, it drives right into the show, what we're talking about, because um, sales driven technology, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, uh, you want to, you want to release the hounds, right? Your salespeople are these incredible relationship builders, uh, sleuths, uh, researchers, uh, you know, they find all this information and they, and they, and they, you know, gain intelligence about a prospect and then they want to build value with that prospect. So the last thing they want to be doing, you know, is clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking through, you know, some clunky interface. Uh, they want these tools to be easy, simple and, and, and get them, you know, obviously to their commission or to their growth or, or you mm -hmm. know, a value to their organization. So what, what I'm, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, maybe the, this is one of the trends is this user centric design to really uh, enable you know, a salesperson, but what, what across the sphere of sales engagement and sales automation are you seeing are the trends? Yeah, gosh, there's so many different trends. I feel like that are happening, everything from better automation, some AI stuff coming into play, better data processing and, and, um, and analysis, but we are, I don't know if those are new trends. I think those are ones that have existed and in some in many cases the promise was always there the delivery fell short right if you think about oh like we'll help we'll use ai to do better forecasting how like how long has that been talked about but you look at any sales organization are they actually using it eh. we, we see a lot of spreadsheets still going around so yeah. i think it's it's slowly being chipped away at but the one trend that we see and again we're kind of biased because we're, we're leading the charge on this but it's that concept of building for the end user. And there's a couple of reasons I think that's now picking up. Number one, I feel like the, the gap between the technology that a lot of sales reps are using in their personal lives to what then they have to experience at work has only widened, right? You look at most consumer apps or mobile apps or, or any type of web application, it's fast, it's delightful, it usually has great experience. And then you show up to work, and then you have to, you know, do all your, you do your calls, um, but then you have to update Salesforce and that's what becomes challenging. So that gap just, just hits you harder. And so I think that's one piece, but, but also most more organizations, at least that we're encountering are listening to the reps more than they were before. And that's a function of so much technology being built and then purchased by companies that then goes unused. Mm. The promise was there, the adoption never followed. And so then a lot of organizations that we hear from, they're just tired. They're like, yep, we're kind of tired of buying technology that nobody uses. And so I think those two trends make, made the room possible for us to say, yeah, like we can build for the end user. Now there's a ton of challenges that come with that, that we can talk about, but that I feel like is something that is starting to take hold and uh, more people pay attention to, which I think is a great thing for all the sales reps out there. So hopefully you'll be actually getting technology that helps you sell, not that helps get data in for managers. Ah, perfectly said. I, I'm curious, you know, is part of this the, you know, the flexibility in these platforms? Because I've I've worked for software as a service companies where uh, obviously front end salespeople and and key 
account salespeople are they're the bread and butter of the company. Um, yeah. but, but there's been a huge difference. You know, you might have someone that's an outbound salesperson that loves to just sit there, get on the phone all day, you know, do, you know, uh, tons of demos and, and just dial for dollars. Right. You mm-hmm. know, but then you have the key accounts, you know, type person that's very account centric, you know, trying to capture all these clues about who the decision makers are within the organization. And, you know, how does that impact, you know, a a sales engagement platform? You just said it, right? A lot of companies bought these platforms and then never saw a return on investment. I can't help but feel that some of that is just because of their inflexibility. That's a, I mean, that's a great point. Um, And, you know, the flexibility piece comes in from a couple perspectives. Number one is what's the job to be done. If, if you think of a sales engagement type platform, like, you know, the last company I started was Persist IQ, but it was very similar to, let's say, an outreach or a sales loft that helps you build sequences or cadences. It's the job it solves is very narrow. And so there you don't need a lot of flexibility. It's how do you start a conversation with somebody you don't know? Well, you have a sequence, you have phone emails and phone calls and what have you. It's fairly straightforward. And, and so that's a narrow job with what we're doing, the flexibility piece is honestly one of the hardest parts of the work because Salesforce is very rigid and we have to work with that. But if you look at the highest level, you look at you know 10 sales organizations, they're all set up differently. Everyone's Salesforce instance is set up differently, but let's just pick one organization, right? Even within one organization, you'll have different teams that are set up differently. Yeah. Go even one level deeper. You have one team, right? The, the AE team. And then you have the AA, maybe an account manager or CS team. Even within the AE team, you may have different divisions. Those divisions work differently. Within one division, you have people. And that's the thing that we started with was people at the end of the day. And we understood, and just literally by sitting behind sales reps and watching how they work, within the same team, you'll have 10 different people that all work differently, right? Yeah. You may be a heavy note taker. I may write chicken scratch. Somebody's in bullet points. Somebody doesn't even take notes. They remember everything, but then they manage every, they like to manage their pipe. Others are heavy task takers. So that flexibility piece that you just talked about is absolutely critical because if you're overly prescriptive in how to do the work, that's when adoption issues come in. Because if I'm the rep, I'm like, listen, my most important objective is I got to hit the quota. My livelihood depends on it. My job depends on it. I don't care about tools. I don't care about tech. I need to hit my quota. And if this thing is getting in my way, I'm just going to go back to paper and and pen or my own spreadsheet, whatever I do. And so that's the piece that we, I mean, we just like those problems. I feel like we're we're good at those problems. And and just given the the impact that we've seen from folks using Scratchpad, but it's a really tough one. It, It takes a lot of attention and, and really building empathy for the people doing the job. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's definitely a different approach to uh, I've heard, I've literally heard people say, you know, before, you know, how do I get my reps to fill out, you know, all this data in the CRM and, uh, and one of the first pieces of advice I ever heard, and it's constantly said is, well, you tie their commission checks to it, (laughs) which, which doesn't make happy reps. (laughs) But here's the thing. I feel like And and what you're talking about is this tension that I feel like exists and there's this trade-off that you have to make because in the current state of the world, you know, if you're, if you're the leader of the organization, you have to decide, do I want better data hygiene, better process adherence, 
Well, the way to do that is through rigidity. Right? What do you do? You put required fields in there, validation rules. You tie commission to data hygiene and performance. And what, what you end up doing by solving that is sure, you might get better data in your, in your CRM, but a lot of folks don't think about the trade-off. Guess what? Number one, the time and market for the reps goes down big time. That's less selling time for the reps. Number two, and I feel like this isn't talked about enough, but at the end of the day, you want to create a great customer experience. Well, you do that, guess what? It, it's, it's the reps that are having those conversations. If your reps are going into calls frustrated because they just spent two hours updating Salesforce, you're not going to have a smile on your face. You're going to be right. pissed off. And it's, it's those soft things that I feel like some organizations get, a lot don't. And it has a huge impact. And on the flip side, what happens is you'll go through that motion, miss numbers for a couple of quarters and be like, well, sorry, F it. Like, forget the data. Let's just sell. Hit quota. Do what you can. And then you run into the data hygiene problem. Yeah. And we feel like this trade-off you have to choose, but that's where with something like a scratch pad, it changes because we've designed that interface so the reps want to use it. It's better for them, but it's connected to the system. So everyone's getting the data and hopefully folks aren't having to make that trade-off anymore. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, now one of the things that you talked about, um, you know, when, when we were, you know, talking about this show uh, was that, and you talked about, about it a little bit like sales prediction models and, and everything else that, you know, sometimes they haven't come true or they're inaccurate, but, the other thing is, is getting that stuff, not just at the decision maker's hands and it's not mm -hmm. aggregated data that takes months or anything like that. It's actually getting some of that predictive data and reporting data down to the frontline employee, right? So that they can utilize that information and understand where the, where the company's at. Possibly, possibly. Um, I, I'm in the camp that I feel like you know, I, I've talked to thousands and thousands of AEs now, and I've never heard an AE say, I want something like that. That's something you usually yeah. hear from managers or leaders or ops. The best AEs know, they know their deals. Yeah. They may not reflect in the CRM, but they know their deals. And so in a way, the drag that's, that's been created for, for the reps is because of all the tools that the organization has purchased and all the stuff that they're saying you now have to use to try to remove the drag is the thing that's actually causing the drag, right? It's this concept of tool overload. Um, for a lot of the managers and the leaders, I get that like they're the ones that are saying, hey, like my job is to forecast. If I'm the VP, if I'm not forecasting, well, I don't have a job anymore because that rolls up and for, for all sorts of reasons. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if that if that's what's needed at the end user level. Good. Yeah, and that's great like, advice. Yeah, and because most, most folks that I've talked to are like, just get out of my way. I know how to sell, right? Like, if anything, help me, you know, help me get some of the raw data of like maybe some customers to go after as a prospect list or something, but right. let me do my job and don't get in my way with all this other stuff that I need to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more in the camp that I don't know how helpful the that like prediction stuff is for reps. And honestly, with a lot of managers and leaders I've talked to, they'll just look at that and they're like, what does a score even mean? Like, what's the difference between a 77 and a 63 on this prediction score? Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I, I've often said that I've seen other systems that have kind of the hard you know, hard coded score. So if they click this or do this, then it's this many points. 
And I always think that that's bizarre because when you look at, you know, you look at the typical B2B buying journey, um, it, it looks like a, a crazy roadmap, right? It's, yeah. it's, you know, people bounce back and forth. They might bounce, you know, look at the problem, then go look at solutions and then identify a solution that does integrate or one that does something else. And then they jump back to the problem again. And then they go talk to people in the organization and it's, you know, and then sometimes it's nothing is going to help except for budget season. Yeah. <laughs> so they might be all the way to saying yes, but they don't have budget. And so they're waiting for October or whatever, you know, until budgets are released, you know, so that they can sign. So I agree with you. I always, I always thought those systems were um, really bizarre. I suppose that, you know, from an organization looking inward, you want to make some type of prediction in the funnel as far yeah. as, you know, understanding what stage people are at, but the buyer, it, it almost never reflects, you know, on the buyer side of where they are, you know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, one trend that we are seeing is more, it seems like more and more organizations are adopting sales methodologies as a way to better predict and forecast, not relying on some score or how many times somebody clicked something or opened an email, but using that methodology to say, can we really, like, is this really a deal? And is this a deal right now? And how, where is it in the progression? So that's the desire, but then the implementation also falls short because then you get all the fields in Salesforce and then, well, what do you want? Do you want your reps to be data entry folks or do you want them to actually sell? Yeah. And then there's that trade-off again and then the data doesn't make it its way in. And, and so, you know, that the whole, uh, that whole cycle starts over again. Well, and the, you know, the similar, the similarities on the marketing side are, are there as well, right? And that's that we have these incredible brand and creative marketers that come out with incredible campaigns, um, but their day is spent moving data from one system to the other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, and so, they, so I always tell people that when you can, you know, the best part about automation and marketing technology and sales technology is when you can release these people to go do what they're great at doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that kind of got lost. And, and I think there's a reason for it though, because the, the folks that are making the buying decisions and sale, at least I can't speak too much for marketing tech because I haven't been in that world, but at least in the sales tech world, they're not the end users. Right. right? And so if you're building a company or selling sales tech, what are you going to do? You're going to optimize to get your deals done and you're going to focus on who's buying it and you tell the story for them and you're like, oh yeah, well, we got customer success folks that'll help you onboard and train and what have you. And we all know how that story goes, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's the shift that at, at least, you know, we're leading the charge on. We're seeing slowly that pick up where a lot of companies that have been burned by that now start talking about adoption and engagement earlier in the process. Because they recognize, like, listen, we've heard it all. We've heard all the promises. Show us, show us the, the substance. And so even in our model, we flipped it all upside down. We said, try the product. It is free, right? It's a completely freemium model. But it is hard because the reps aren't really the ones buying the software. And so then you have to you know, build that case there. But you know, in, in a way, I feel like the, it's the technology that's gotten in the way in a lot of cases. Yeah. And it, it is that tooling that's gotten in the way where like, oh, well, it, and you and I talked about this before. It, it's not necessarily the tooling or the tech that solves any problem. It's not. In a lot of ways, it can actually make the problem even worse. Yeah, I totally 100% agree with that. And and it is fascinating when you look at an organization. We did a, 
uh, we did an enterprise audit of a, of a national uh, charitable organization uh, where we interviewed people from the top down in their, on the marketing side. And it was incredible what leadership thought was happening system-wide and usage-wide and you know, subscriber-wide, contact lead-wide, and then what the reality was. Yep. Uh, and, and the layers of insulation in between actually prevented, you know, uh, give a perfect example, you know, they, they had a, um, they had an agency that was, uh, basically spiffed, you know, for the size of their subscriber list. Um, <clears throat> so they always talked about the size of the subscriber list. It's like a salesperson talking about how many prospects they have, right? Yeah. You know, that's great. You got 10,000 prospects. What does that matter if two of them are going to close? And so, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, and, and so going from the top down, um, I, and I love the fact that that's, you guys went from the bottom up, which I think is a spectacular move um, because, that's where we found all the issues. That's where we found all the opportunities for automation. That's where we found all the frustration. That's where we found, honestly, people culturally that probably couldn't fit, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they eventually left, you know, but it was all at the bottom, you know, the C-suite was bought in, uh, but, but it was, it was those layers of bureaucracy and, 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 um, and maybe a loss of, uh, you know, uh, intelligence about, every process that was going on, uh, you know, between the top and the bottom was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, um, tell people, uh, so you have a pre freemium model with Scratchpad. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, people uh, tell people where to go and how to sign yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just go to scratchpad.com, you'll see it there and it's free. It takes about 30 seconds to get set up. Uh, in some cases, even less but we spend a lot of time just designing that flow itself. But if you're using Salesforce today, um, it should work. If you're not using Salesforce, we unfortunately can't serve you today. Don't want to overpromise. We are looking at that down the road, but yeah, you should just be able to go there. Um, it's a native Chrome extension. So if you're on the Chrome browser, it's pretty awesome in that it's just embedded in the new tab experience. So you don't even have to go to a new application. If you're not on Chrome, we work with any other browser as well. There's a web app and, and you'll see the link on, on the website. Fantastic. And uh, I'd also mention that you have tons of resources on your site as well. So I would encourage people to go there uh, yeah. and just, just even follow Scratchpad um, you know, socially and you'll get provided a lot of tips on uh, sales automation, uh, sales operations. Uh, and then of course, if you're in the Salesforce field, it's going to be very relevant to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's something we, we, we love to talk about and, and however we can help, we're, we're happy to do so. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to reiterate one of the things that you said, and I totally agree with you is I think people, uh, people do give Salesforce sometimes a bad rap. And, and I, and I always tell people that you, you know, if you bought a race car, you know, you, <laughs> you know, instead of just a, you know, off the, off the, you know, productivity line, off the production line, you know, automobile, you need a team with a race car and you, and you, yep. you need to soup it up and you need a mechanic and you need someone that knows how to drive it and everything else. And so you can't blame the race car. You know, you, you've got to look at that, that you've, you've invested in a race car. Now you have to learn how to drive it, learn how to optimize it, you know, learn how to, you know, test it and, and, yep. and get it ready for the race. And I think Salesforce is very much, you know, the same way is that you can accomplish anything that you want with it. 
but it can be really complex if you if you don't know what you're doing, uh, and and it can lead to a lot of the frustration that you're talking about. So uh, yeah. again, kudos to you, you know, from a, a Scratchpad standpoint on uh, on on getting this up. We've written about uh, Scratchpad on on Martech Zone, uh, and then I'll add this. I'll actually add this uh, podcast to that. Uh, to that article and then uh, check the show links. And of course we'll have uh, links to Scratchpad and, and how to follow you guys online. But uh, thank you so much, Puyan. This is a, this is a, just a great, great conversation. And I think it's important for sales leadership, you know, as, as, as well as sales reps to understand. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and, you know, that the, we talked a lot about technology trends, but another trend that we're also seeing is from the sales leadership standpoint, more and more folks wanting their reps to be happy. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but in a lot of organizations, they're just seen as numbers, but in more and more, we're starting to see, no, like we, we care about the reps being happy. We care about the reps experience. We want them to not be frustrated and to be their best. Uh, so that, that's pretty, pretty exciting to see as well. It's, it's somewhat ironic, right? Is we, uh, we started the whole CRM industry because of rep turnover and we wanted to maintain that intelligence, you know, across our clients. And then we use CRM and caused more pain and turnover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, listen, we're, we're aiming to solve that problem. And Absolutely. So anyone listening to that has suggestions and you, you know, there's an area you want us to focus on, please do reach out. We, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and I can't say it enough. Go, go do a demo of it. It's uh, it's absolutely phenomenal what you guys have done. So thank you. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show. And like I said, we'll have all of this in the show notes. And uh, if you enjoyed the show, please review us online. That's how podcasts obviously build their popularity and everything. And uh, and uh, and if you have an idea for a show or you have a problem that you'd like us to uh, pursue an expert on, please let us know. And uh, thanks again for joining Martech Zone Interviews. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.